Will you die? This is the question that was asked to me six years ago. Will you die? And the person who asked me this, he was a preacher who came to visit my college and he gave this really powerful message. And I don't remember the main points. I don't even remember the scriptures that he used, but I remember that one question. Will you die? Will you die to yourself? Will you give up everything to follow Jesus? And at the end of his message, God moved in such a mighty and powerful way where all of us were confessing sin, worshiping and praying together, so much so that we actually had to cancel classes that morning because professors and students alike, like we just could not even go to class. We couldn't even learn because all we could do was worship God in that moment. Despite this, though, about a third of the people that I went to Bible college with no longer are pursuing God's call in their life. And about half of those don't even follow Jesus anymore. Why does this happen? And I'm sure all of us can relate. We know people who are so on fire for God, and yet just a few short years later, they've completely disowned him. The truth is there are many reasons why people walk away from Jesus. One big one is that people don't know what they believe and they don't know what the Bible says. And so when, a, when, a lie, when they're faced with a lie, they have no idea. They don't know what the truth is to overcome that lie and their whole worldview shatters. But one of the biggest reasons, I think the biggest reason that people walk away from Jesus after being so on fire for him, after tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, is because they just don't simply understand the cost to following Jesus. The truth is, following Jesus has a cost. And a lot of us aren't ready for the cost. And now I want to make something clear. To become saved, to have a relationship with Jesus, there is a heavy cost. But we can't pay that cost. Jesus paid that cost for us. And so, and that's the good news. Like, we don't have to pay anything to come into a relationship with Jesus. But here's the thing. To follow him, there is a cost. And our mission statement here is leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I love that. But here's the thing. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Jesus without paying the cost. There is a cost to obeying Jesus. There is a cost to experiencing God's best on your life. There is a cost to let God work through you to change your world and the world around you. There is a cost to following Jesus. And a lot of people don't understand this. When, when, when we first get saved, a lot of us know that Jesus makes our lives better. But sometimes we misunderstand that and we think that Jesus will make my life easier. But here's the thing. Jesus does not make our lives easier. In fact, Jesus promised us trouble. In fact, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're actually entitled to an extra dose of trouble. But sometimes we don't understand that. And so when it is time to pay the cost, we're blindsided. And then we say, no, I'm out. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I thought Jesus was supposed to make my life easier. No, he will make your life better, but your life is not easier. 
There is a cost to following Jesus, and you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Jesus without paying that cost. And since so many in our world today are blindsided by that cost, and again, it's not just in my Bible college, it's not just in the American church, but I think it's a common problem across the world today. And in fact, Jesus even experienced it with some of his disciples. There was a point where a lot of people left him, and he looked at his disciples and says, will you leave me too? It is a common problem that we don't understand the real cost of following Jesus. And so for a lot of you that don't know, for those of you who don't know, this is my very last message that I'm preaching here. This is my last official day as a youth pastor of Quarry Rock Church. And if you've gotten nothing out of any messages that I've preached here or any conversations we have, I want to encourage you to hold on to this message that I'm about to give you today. Because this is something that God has been teaching me ever since I gave my life to him all the way back in high school. And it's a lesson I am still learning now. And so today I want to ask you the same question that was asked of me. Will you die? And you can't die to self without knowing the cost. And so today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16 to understand what that cost is. But before we read that, we've got to know the context. Because here's the thing, when it comes to the Bible, context is king. You cannot read one verse by itself or else you will misunderstand what the Bible is trying to teach you. And that's what happens when we cherry pick the Bible. We just don't understand the context of what we're reading. And we need, the, we need to know the context of every verse, every chapter, and every book of the Bible that we read. And so what's going on in Matthew chapter 16 is that Jesus, he's in full-time ministry. And his disciples are with him. He's preaching the gospel. He's healing people. And it's great. But then there comes a point where Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to die. He's warning them of his upcoming crucifixion. And the disciples, they are not happy about this. They're upset. And, and Peter goes up to Jesus because, you know, Peter's kind of hard-headed and he kind of speaks first, thinks later. That's kind of the guy he is. And so he goes up to Jesus. He says, Jesus, this is not going to happen. Not if I have anything to do with it. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about the things of God. You are thinking about the things of man. One of the harshest rebukes that Peter ever got and one of the ones that he needed the most. And then right after Jesus says this, his very next words are in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And there it is. One of the most difficult teachings of Jesus to follow. One of the most painful teachings of Jesus to follow. And actually in this passage, we see three things that following Jesus is going to cost us. And we need to know these three things. The first is this. Following Jesus will cost you something. Following Jesus will cost you 
something. And we get this from verse 24. I just want to review it. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Following Jesus will cost you something. That's what it means to deny yourself. But here's the truth. There is a cost to everything we do. There's a cost to being a spouse. There's a cost to being a parent. You can say amen, parents. <laughs> there is a cost to being an American. There is a cost to having a car, and I know this one all too well. But let me ask you, has it really costed you to follow Jesus? Has following Jesus really costed you something? And let me ask you this. This is something you should wrestle with. When's the last time following Jesus costed you something? When has the last time that obeying Jesus has costed you something? And the further back I have to go to answer that question reveals where I'm lacking in my devotion to Jesus. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I was in high school and I cursed all the time, like all the time. And the season of Lent was coming up and I was like, you know, I want to give up something for God. And, uh, and I remember in my great wisdom and maturity, I was like, you know what I'm going to fast? I'm going to fast cursing just for the season of Lent though. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to give this up. And, you know, I didn't really fast the whole time of Lent because, you know, the first couple, the first week, it was like me trying to catch myself, you know what I'm talking about? And even though, like, that was just a really kind of in the moment, you can see that that was an immature decision because it's like, well, I should have chosen not to do that in the first place. Jesus was teaching me that following him was going to cost me something, even if it's something as small as that. And for some of you, maybe following Jesus hasn't cost you in any way yet. And maybe you haven't decided to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus because maybe that's too daunting. And so maybe you've settled with being a casual follower of Jesus. And you know, you like some of the encouraging words Jesus has to say, but you haven't really given yourself to him yet. Will you die? Will you let following Jesus cost you something? Will you die to yourself in some way? Maybe it's in the area of church attendance. Maybe you like coming to church occasionally, but not if you have to wake up early. Like, like maybe it's like, you know, you get up on Sunday and you're like, ah, I'm tired, I'm going to go back to bed. But the scriptures command us to regularly meet together. Will you let following Jesus cost you something? Maybe it's finances. I mean, you've heard from up here that, that we should be tithing to God or giving our first 10%, and maybe, maybe 10% is too much for you, but sometimes what we do is we, just, we kind of justify that. We say, okay, 10% is too much for me, so you know what I'm going to give? Nothing. I'm going to give 0%. Will you let following Jesus cost you something? If you have to start with 1%, that's fine, or even less than 1%, because something is better than nothing. When's the last time following Jesus? When's the last time that's cost you something? And if you don't know where to start, if, if becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus, if that's too daunting for you, just start with something. 
Because again, something is better than nothing. And we all, had to, we all had to start with something. And so that's the first thing following Jesus will cost you. The second is this. Following Jesus will cost you everything you have. Following Jesus will cost you everything you have. And we get this from verse 25. I want to review it. It says this. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And what does it mean to lose your life for Jesus? It means to surrender everything to him. And maybe you followed Jesus for a while, and maybe you say, you know, I'm not going to be a casual follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to devote myself to him, and you've given him a lot. But maybe there's come, there's come a point where you said, hmm, enough is enough. I've already given up too much. And maybe there's this one area of your life where you say, God, you can have the rest of my life, but you can't have this thing. And maybe instead of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you have settled for being a half-hearted follower of Jesus. I know there's times where I've been in this place. The, the truth is, when it comes to your life, God is either Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. Either Jesus is Lord over all of it or none of it. In his book, Dangerous Prayers, Craig Rochelle, he writes these words. And when I read them this week, it really gripped me. And he's talking about brokenness. And brokenness is what happens when we give everything to Jesus. It, it costs us and it hurts. He says these words, let me remind you, this isn't advanced Christianity. Brokenness isn't just for monks and missionaries. Brokenness is actually the first step. It's basic Christianity. The gospel is an invitation to come and die. Die to your past, die to your flesh, and die to your fears. A powerful statement. You see, here's the truth. When there's this one thing that we won't give to God, when we refuse to surrender something to God, the Bible calls that rebellion. And rebellion is sin. And here's the thing about sin. Sin works a lot like cancer. When you have cancer, it starts with just one cell. It starts just somewhere in your body, and if you ignore it, or if it's not caught in time, and if it's not dealt with, it'll grow. And it won't just grow, but it will spread. And, in, and, in, and if it's not dealt with, it's, if it's continually ignored, it will eventually kill you. And the same is true with sin. When we ignore sin, when there's this one thing that God has been asking us to give up for him, and we just ignore it, that's just going to spread into other areas of our lives before we even realize it has. And for me, there was an area in my life that I was refusing to give to God. And for a lot of you, I mean, I've already mentioned it, but that you know that I'm going I'm to be moving in the, in the next week. I'm uprooting my life and moving a thousand miles away to go where, God, where God's called me for the third time in my life. And can I tell you that this time has actually been the most difficult. And you'd think that since I've done this before, it would be easier. It's actually harder this time. And the reason was I had this dream. 
And a lot of you know what this dream was. And the, the very reason that I came on staff here, the eventual goal was for me to plant a church somewhere around here and quickly became aware that we were like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to plant a church in Crooks, South Dakota. That was the plan. And for the past four years, that is what I've been striving towards. Every part of my life has been geared towards that. And I, I remember a, a few months ago, I, I went, the Holy Spirit just led me to this open house, to a house that was hilariously out of my price range. But I was like, you know what, Holy Spirit, you're going to leave me there, I'm going to go. And so I went there, there was no one there except the realtor, and we, we, we began talking, and she asked me, okay, why do you want to live in Crooks? And I shared, I was like, this is what I believe God's called me to do. And my intention is to come here and start a church. And it was a really good conversation. We exchanged contact info, and I was like, okay, God, I might not be getting this house, that's okay. But, but maybe there's something in this friendship that, 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 can, that coming out of it would lead to people coming to know Jesus. And I got no responses to any of my texts after that. And I was like, I was driving home, and I was like, God, why all these closed doors? I just don't get it. And I remember what the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. I was driving my car on the way home, and... The Holy Spirit said, Christian, you stepped out in faith. Good. Use that where I'll send you next. And I like literally hit the brakes on my car and I'm like, what do you mean next? Like, like I'm where I'm supposed to be, right? Like this is where I'm going to be for the, for the next at least couple of decades, if not the rest of my life. And then I was like, you know, if you want me to go somewhere else, you have to make it really obvious because I don't want to let go. And so the very next day, um, I was talking to a friend of mine from, from Kingswood and and we were just talking about, you know, just kind of the future and just how our lives are doing. And just kind of out of the blue, he said, Christian, you really need to pray and seek counsel about what's next for you. Because I don't think what your plan is is what God actually has for you. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, okay. And he didn't know this conversation I had with God the, the, the day before. And I was like, okay, God, but you're going to have to make it even more obvious because I'm not ready yet. And then the next day, me and uh, Pastor Tim, we had, a, we, we had a meeting, and, and the meeting was about just kind of me transitioning out of Quarry Rock, and just, we were talking about all the tools and resources to kind of equip me to, to church plants, and at the very end of our conversation, he, throws, he, he says his throwaway line, and he was like, you know, Christian, and if God is calling you to something else, then we need to pray and explore that. And, and then I was like, okay, God, three days in a row, I, 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 I'm... I'm my, my alerts are up now, and so immediately I, I told Tim, I told, I told him, I was like, here's what I think God might be speaking to me, and, and that opened up, like, we had like a two-hour-long conversation after that, and somewhere in that conversation, he challenged me on my Crooks dream, he said, Christian, are you really doing this for God, or are you doing this for man? <sighs> Knife in the chest, why don't you? And I was like, you're right. And what was happening was my, my future, I was holding on to it with a death grip, and I, and I was not letting God do with it what he wanted to do. Following Jesus will cost you everything you have. Even your 10-year plan. And so for me, God challenged me to, am I willing to lay this dream on the altar and let God do with it what he wants to do with it. And then over the next several months, it became clear that God had called me to South Carolina. But man, it was so hard to let go of that dream. I fought God on it. There was many angry prayers. Following Jesus will cost us everything we have. And I want to ask you this morning, if this is you, if you're in this spot, what's the one thing you haven't surrendered to Jesus?
What's the one thing you have a death grip on that you won't let God touch? What's that one thing that the Holy Spirit has been highlighting in your life over and over again and you've just been shrugging it off? Maybe you're holding on to bitterness. Maybe someone wounded you deeply and you're just holding on to that bitterness and and you're not letting God free you of that unforgiveness. Maybe you follow Jesus in just about every area of your life. You obey him, you know, you read the Bible, you pray, you go to church, you tithe, you go to life group, you do all the things. But sometimes when you're scrolling online, you wander to websites where you look at things that you know don't honor God. And you think, oh, what's the harm in it? I'm just looking. Will you let following Jesus cost you everything you have? For some of you, maybe it's politics. Maybe your political allegiance, whether to to the Democratic Party or to the Republican Party, to Biden or Trump, maybe you've let your political allegiance take supremacy over your allegiance to Jesus. Will you let following Jesus cost you everything you have? For those of you, maybe it's social media. Maybe when you're in person and you're talking with people, you're really nice and compassionate, and yet on social media you post memes and you post things that make fun of people and that don't honor God. And you may think, oh, there's no harm in it. And yet the Holy Spirit is constantly poking at you and reminding you, this is not what I've called you to. Will you let following Jesus cost you everything you have? That's the second thing we need to learn. The third is this. Following Jesus will cost you more than you have. Following Jesus will cost you more than you have. I want us to review verse 26, where we get this from. It says, Jesus says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Following Jesus will cost you more than you have. You can gain the whole world. You can do your best. You can give it your 110%, but it's still not enough. And that might be disheartening for some of you, but that's the truth. Following Jesus takes more than you have. It takes more strength than you have. It takes more wisdom than you have. It takes more faith than you have. It takes more character than you have. It takes more endurance than you have. And it takes more courage than you have. Following Jesus costs you more than you have. And I've already referenced this book before, but in Dangerous Prayers by Craig Rochelle, he writes these words that really struck out to me when I read it as well. He he says this, The truth is, we, you, and I, and everyone are always inadequate. We're never enough. We're always weak. But here's the incredible thing. When we're weak, God's power is made perfect. And then he writes a little tagline. He says, see 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It would be a disservice to me not to read that to you. But the context of that, what's going on is that the Apostle Paul, he asked God to remove a thorn from his life. And we don't know what the thorn is. It could have been a disease. It could have been persecution. We don't know. But he asked God to remove it from his life. And then we see God's response in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which says this. Each time he, talking about God, said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. It's the power of God through us that helps us when, it, when the cost is more than we have. And the truth is, you can do great things without God. People do great things without God all of the time. But you can do nothing eternal without Him. There have been empires built without God that are dust now, that we don't even know that they existed. You can do great things without God, but you can do nothing eternal without Him. And God has called us to not live for the temporary, but to live for the eternal. And the only way that we can do something, anything of eternal value is if we let God work through us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15 says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day, talking about the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. <coughs> if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through flames. You can be saved, and you can build your entire life without Jesus, and it will all just burn up. That's what this is saying. When we build on any other foundation other than Jesus Christ, it might be big, it might be great, it might be grand, but it will not last. Without Jesus, nothing we do lasts. And this is where a lot of Christians who are on fire for God, they get tripped up. Because they're trying to do something eternal without actually being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes the difference. And so they crash and they burn and they're like, God, I've given everything. I can't give anymore. I don't get it. All the while failing to realize that it's God's power through them that can make the difference. In Acts 1.8, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, says, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem. He says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just before that verse, he's telling them to wait in Jerusalem. Why does he tell them to wait and not just go out and do it now? Because they cannot do it on their own power. They need God's power, and so do we. And you only receive that power when the Holy Spirit is in you and working in you, and you're letting him move through you. And so let me ask you, does the Holy Spirit play an active role in your life? Like, 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 not just when everything's falling apart, but do you depend on, Je on, on Jesus to go to the grocery store? Like, in everything you do, do you depend on the Holy Spirit? Wrestle with this question. If the Holy Spirit left your life, would you even notice? If the Holy Spirit withdrew from you, would you even know that he was gone? Because the truth is, if we're not depending on the Holy Spirit... We won't notice when he's gone.
there was this king in Israel. His name was Saul. He was actually the first king of ancient Israel. And he started off really strong. The Bible says he was empowered by the spirit of the Lord. And eventually one day came where he decided to disobey God. And he kept disobeying God. He kept resisting God. And instead of trusting on God, he, he instead trusted in his authority as a king. And then eventually it all comes to a head in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The first part of verse 14 says this. It says, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. I don't know about you, but that is one of the most haunting verses in all of Scripture for me. If the Holy Spirit left your life, would you notice? Are you depending on the Holy Spirit in the here and now? And this is a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Because following Jesus costs you more than you have, and it's cost me more than I have. And I've talked about you know, the, the year 2022 for me and how painful that year was. And I was talking to some of you about it, but, but here, for those of you that don't know, here's what was going on. I actually had co-started a home church in Crooks and things were thriving, things were going, and then overnight it collapsed. We went from 20 people to me and one other person. It was devastating for me. I was like, God, I don't understand this dream that you've given me. It feels like it's dead. And so I'm, I'm reeling from the aftermath of that. And then God calls Pastor Mill to go to Alaska. And so I'm like, all right. You know, so, so, so now he, he's gone and I have a full-time job and I'm trying to help serve and leave this, lead this church through a transition. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm between my full-time job and here, I'm working 80 hours a week. I am exhausted. Like I would get back here from work. I would get back at like one o'clock in the morning and then I would come right here practice my message until 3.30 in the morning, and then I would come and preach. I wake up at 6.30 in the morning to come here and preach. Like, it was exhausting. I was riddled with depression and anxiety. Like, there was, there was moments where I, I had anxiety attacks so bad that I could just feel my heart beating in my chest. Like, it was awful. And it felt like that nothing I did make it, I feel like I wasn't making a difference at all. And the truth was, like, at that point, like, I didn't even have enough strength to get out of bed some days. Like, all I could do was just lay in my bed all day. Like, I, I, I didn't have the wisdom to navigate the challenges I was facing. I didn't have the money to pay my bills and to help fix the car problems that I had. I didn't have the endurance for my grueling schedule. I didn't have the joy to push through the overwhelming darkness that I was feeling 100% of the time. And I did not have the willpower to keep pursuing God's call in my life. I wanted to quit. And I could relate to Elijah's prayer, the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19, where he's like, God, everything's falling apart. Just kill me. I've had enough. And that was my prayer for a while. My own power had taken me as far as it could go. My own power cannot take me another step. And I knew it. What I needed was God's power. And that's what we all need is God's power. And I had to learn the hard way in that season to lean on God and let his spirit work in me and through me. And so, and so literally every day, like I would just ask God to give me enough strength to get out of bed because I needed him for that. And God was faithful to answer every time. And God was faithful to give me power when I did not have it, to give me strength when I did not have it, to give me wisdom when I did not have it. 
for every one of you in this room who has decided to follow Jesus, at some point, it will cost you more than you have. And if you're not training to rely on the Holy Spirit now, you are in danger. Because there's a moment that will come where the rug will be pulled out from under you, like it was for me. And this is where so many people who are so on fire for God walk away. And so I want to encourage you today to train yourself to lean on God, to rely on God, to let the Holy Spirit work in you and through you. But one of the ways you can do that is by praying every day, having a conversation with God every day. Because here's the thing, if you don't, if you don't learn to hear God's voice now, how are you going to hear it when the bombs of life are going off? Are you in the Bible consistently, daily? Because here's the thing, if you don't know the truth of God's word, you will have no idea what to do when a lie enters your life. And you won't know the truth to combat it. Are you in a life group? Do you surround yourself with people who love Jesus and who, who are empowered by his spirit and who love you and want to help you seek and depend on God? Because if you're not... How are you going to have a community to help bear your burdens when the storms of life come? And when you're drowning, when you're drowning in the storms of life, you can't save you. You cannot save you. Only God can save you. And not just for eternity, not just for eternal life, but in every situation. You can't save you. Your power has a limit. But God's, God's power does not have a limit. And when you're drowning, the only one that can pull you out of the depths is the one who can walk on water. And so I want to beg you today to lean on God, to rely on Him for everything. Because when you're, when you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you'll let it cost you more than you have. But the good news is, is that the Holy Spirit can pay the difference. The Holy Spirit can pay the difference that you and I cannot pay on our own. It's not your power, it's God's power. In your own power, it's impossible for you to forgive the person that did the thing to you that should be done to no one. But God's power can set you free. When you're stuck in an addiction and you've gone to the AA meetings, you've gone to the celebrate covers, you've done everything you could, but your own power can't save you. God's power can, though. God's power can deliver you. When your kids are wayward and they're making terrible decisions and they're not following Jesus, your own power can't save them. You can't convince them to change their stubborn mind, but God's power can save them. When your marriage is on the rocks and you're on the brink of divorce and your marriage is loveless and you don't know what to do, your own power cannot save your marriage. But God's power can. And that's the good news. Our power doesn't have to be enough. Because God's is. And so to sum up, the cost of following Jesus is that following Jesus will cost you something. Following Jesus 
will cost you everything you have, and following Jesus will cost you more than you have. But here's the good news. You see, some of you might be listening to this, and you're like, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus now. Like, it, it, it seems too painful. But here's the thing. The reward of following Jesus is infinitely greater than the cost to follow him. The reward of following Jesus is infinitely better. It infinitely overshadows the cost to following him. And we may not see it today or tomorrow or the next day, but one day we will reap a reward if we do not give up. And that reward will overshadow every trial, every hardship. And for those of you who have not given your life to Jesus, here's the bad news. You owe a debt anyway. All of us owe a debt because of sin. Because we've chosen rebellion. We've chosen to do evil. And because of that, what our debt is, is, is eternity separated from God. And that's why hell is so miserable, because when you're in hell, you're separated from the one thing that produces all goodness in the universe. But the good news is that God loves us so much that he, he didn't want us to have to pay that. And so Jesus came, God himself, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and rose from the grave three days later, paying the cost that we could not. And if you put your faith in him, if you put your trust in him, your debt's wiped clean. There's no magic ritual, ritual. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. But God gives it to us as a gift. All we need is the, is the ability to trust him to receive that gift. And I would encourage you today, if you have not given your life to Jesus, you won't regret it because I don't. Despite everything I've been through, I do not regret following Jesus. The reward far outweighs the cost. And if you're someone who does follow Jesus, who does have a relationship with him, I want to end how I began and ask you, will you die? When following Jesus costs you something, will you die? When following Jesus costs you everything you have, will you die? When following Jesus costs you more than you have, will you die? Because here's the truth. Every death in Jesus has a resurrection. And the resurrected life is infinitely better than the one we leave behind. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you that you paid a debt that we could not pay. We thank you for the cost that you paid for us. And Father, we ask that you would just help each and every single one of us to pay the cost of following you. That you would empower us to do so because we need your help desperately. God, where we're discouraged, we just ask that you'd encourage us. Where we're complacent, we ask that you would reveal it to us, God. And where we're apathetic, we just ask that you would break us and make us more like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.